Richard Curtis, the writer of Four Weddings and a Funeral in Notting Hill, knew he had a secret weapon in Hugh Grant. To aspiring filmmakers, he said this, I suggest that after you have let an idea stew, written the film you wanted without the compromises of the commission, let it be brutally edited by someone you love and then rewritten it 15 times, you cast Hugh Grant as the lead. It doesn't matter what the character is. If she's a middle-aged cop on the verge of retiring, Hugh will be perfect. If he's an Eskimo schoolboy, Hugh is exactly what you are looking for. The producers of Two Weeks Notice understood what Richard Curtis understood. Hugh Grant and their rom-com is the silver bullet. But the smoking gun is his co-star, Sandra Bullock. By 2002, Grant and Bullock were the titans of industry within the rom-com genre, and Two Weeks Notice is in some ways their underrated swan song. The film works almost exclusively because of them. The film is drenched in banter and repartee that rivals classic screwball comedies like Ringing Up Baby and His Girl Friday. The story is about Lucy Kelson, a lefty lawyer whose mission in life is to fight injustice and defy corporate greed. Sometimes this is through her adroit litigation. Other times it means picketing a historical landmark that's about to make an acquaintance with a wrecking ball. Hugh Grant plays George Wade, a corporate industrialist who's chronically scatterbrained and in need of a good lawyer to keep the family empire afloat. As fate would have it, he runs into, you guessed it, Lucy Kelson. She realizes that if the corporate Goliath had the moral input of heroic David, she might be able to do some tremendous good. Unfortunately, Lucy more often finds herself at the beck and call of airheaded George, who absolutely needs her in order to pick the right tie. Clearly, things aren't going to work out. She puts in her two weeks notice. But since this is a rom-com and her boss is Hugh Grant, feelings and romance indubitably get in the way. Carried deftly by the talents of Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock, Two Weeks Notice features emblematic rom-com wit for the ages. Ah, oh, good, you're here. What is it? And may I just say, that is a very attractive George. pink thing George. that you are wearing. George, what is it? Okay, I'm judging the Miss New York contest mm -hmm. in under an hour. It's on television. What do you think? George, please don't tell me you called me out of a wedding to help you pick out a suit. Please. You were at a wedding? You ran out of a wedding? Why did you do that? You That's said horrible. it was an emergency. Didn't I memo you as to what constitutes an emergency? Yes, large meteor, uh, severe loss of blood, and what's the third one again? Death. Death. And you're not dead. No. Just like you weren't dead when you called me at 3 o'clock in the morning because you had a nightmare about becoming the fifth member of KISS. Just like you weren't dead when you barged in on my woman's doctor appointment to ask me which picture to put on the cover of People. I don't like this very much. This is insane. Well, look, if it's any consolation, I will be dead eventually. You know, tonight is important. I'm representing the Wade organization. That includes you. Not anymore, George. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear Sarah? Hello? Yes. <laughs> I, I, hear, I hear a timid voice. Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> all right, we're all recording. We're here! Yay! Yay! We made it! Alright. How have you guys it? been sleeping recently? Terribly. That's not true. I have been sleeping. Well, you need to get one of those uh, <laughs> machines that sound like the ocean. We do. Oh, yeah. And they accidentally... Yeah. They charged Wait, us $50 for it. <laughs> you two are Hugh Grant? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Did you notice yes. that this is a perennial joke in rom-coms of how do you sleep at night? It's like, um, yeah, it's the... just kind of like, what kind of movie am I watching? Well, 
do the joke, how do you sleep at night, and see how characters answer it. You've got the you've got mail answer. You've got the two weeks notice answer. What's the you've got mail and, answer? Um, you've got mail. It's Parker Posey. It's Parker Posey, And yeah. she's like, oh, I take two pills of something, <laughs> and I'm yeah, right out. Yeah, like half a Xanax, and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, hey, you're great Kinnear. And he's like, <laughs> I'm rather boring, but intense. I'm and you are a lone read. You're, you're, <laughs> you're saying his yes. character, not Greg Kinnear. Greg no, Kinnear's Greg amazing. Kinnear's amazing. No, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, okay. wait, wait. Okay, that scene in, I know we're not talking about um, You've Got Mail, but we have to. Um, not until so, Nora November. Uh, Nora November. Oh, I like that. That's um, Nora November with a tea Thanksgiving. <laughs> he's way into um typewriters in that film isn't he yeah that's a tom hanksism right tom hanks was like hey hey, hey nora hey nora mm-hmm. put make i know we don't like greg kinnear's character in this movie but can he like typewriters at least the olympia report deluxe electric report Hasn't gunshot. Before we talk about vacant Greenpeace boyfriends, um, let's do some introductions. Yes, let's do. Uh, to the newest member of our podcast, let's start with uh, let's start with Sarah. Hey. Look, everyone! <laughs> hey. Listen, everyone! It's my wife, Woo-hoo. mother of my child, who we may hear in the background at some point, which would be great because we're our lives are interrupted by him constantly. So should yours? Well, Theo could. <laughs> perhaps become the world's youngest podcaster if we just you know get him on early yeah Mm -hmm. we'd come on and say sir how did you feel about the movie and he'd say gluba um hey sarah tell us uh tell us who you are and um and what you're about Hmm. that's such a broad question this is our first date with you so um like what kind of music i haven't been on one of those in a very long time (laughs) good Well, I mean, did we even go on a first date, Ryan? Because we were already friends for so long. Yeah, we went out for crepes. Tell us the story. How did you two meet? No, actually, that was um, the very first date was to my sister's piano recital. Oh, yeah, that was (laughs) weird. It was a very Amish way of, like, dating because it was, like, the first date. It was, like, you're going to come over and meet my family and come over for brunch afterwards. But you'd already met my family. Well, I met them, but it was, like, in the context of this, my boyfriend. Did you you spend the night and were you, like, tied up in a canvas bag or something? (laughs) Yes, I was beaten. No, no, just so that you... No, no, the Amish thing where you get sewed into the bag. So that you don't have sex. <laughs> I, wait, why would I remember? I was never part of the Amish community. I don't remember no, it from it's, anything. Is it? It's in, in the Patriot with Tim Allen. Hey, that's are we going to do the Tim the Allen Patriot. movie with Tim Allen, Chrissy Alley? That should be on the list. Oh, where they? The oh, yeah, Tim where Allen. they go join um, like a, a Mennonite yeah. or Amish community for? Yeah, a hot I second? think that's technically a rom com. It's the rom com version of Witness. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know. Witness was. The, does he get tied up in a bag in Witness? Too? I don't know. think so. They, they have some pretty passionate sex in that movie. So if, if he did, anyways. Harrison Ford ripped out of that bag. Anyways. Anyways. Hulk style. Anyways. <laughs> so, Sarah. Sarah, how, how do you. How. How. What, what was your first introduction to, like, rom coms? Like, we asked Robin when she was first on this podcast, like, what was her experience growing mm. up with them? What was yours? I think the first the first rom-com that I remember is You've Got Mail, although there may have been something before then. But that's the first one that made a big impact on me. Because you watched that as a kid. That was a kid's movie mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. I had strange kids' movies because it was that and Apollo 13. 
Uh, anything with Tom Hanks in the nineties <laughs> was an yeah. appropriate kids movie. Yeah. So. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I mean, it was a PG rated movie, and so it was kind of your go to nice movie to watch as a kid. Like, how old? Like a nine year old? You? I think so. Yeah, probably, probably nine. It depends so, on which house I was living in at the time. When did you discover our movie, this week's movie, our two weeks notice? This week's movie in high school um, with my best friend Heather. And we watched it pretty incessantly and then pretty much memorized all of the quippy, quotable lines. And It mm-hmm. is memorized. It, it is an mm-hmm. extremely quippy movie. We, mm-hmm. watched, we watched it the other day. And I don't think she's seen it for a couple of years, but she was still pretty much quoting it along, like a quote along. Like she was just <laughs> speaking all the lines, not even the funny lines, just like the replies to like mundane questions of like, mm-hmm. open that door. And, and she would just like, no, it's like, yes. Then oh, yeah. I definitely used to replay it in my head scene for scene when I was trying to fall asleep at night. <laughs> I'm not as good at it anymore, but it's, it's a good movie to play in your head at night. It's easy to fall asleep to. One of the best recommendations yep. for mm-hmm. a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Kelly, who else is in the virtual room with us? Um, who else is in the virtual room, Fred? Um, that, that's me, Robin, <laughs> a.k.a. Fred. Uh, yeah, I, I'm back again. And this time we we're talking about a movie that I had not seen before. All so, right. Yeah, this yeah, is this Robin's is my first time. Intro. Okay, Robin, first impression of this this new movie, a genre that we have to kind of force onto you most of the time. How did you feel this time? <laughs> um, Bearing in mind I will not that be offended like if it's Sarah's not your favorite. Oh, favorite no, movie. stop it. <laughs> it's I okay. Mean, it, it felt to me just like a fun rom-com, kind of. Like, it, it didn't feel necessarily groundbreaking in any way, and it felt like... Um, most of it relied on the charm of Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock being just like awkwardly charming people. Um, and so they're always fun to watch. Like mm-hmm. it, so I would say it's pretty much like what, what you see on the cover is what you get. Like it's going to be Hugh Grant mm-hmm. and Sandra Bullock just like being a little awkward and doing pratfalls and then falling in love. And you can have fall fall in sleep love. to it at night. <laughs> So before we forget, because we forgot to do this last week, we did our Father of the Bride podcast. We're like, oh, we didn't even talk about what this movie's about. We just jumped into it. So maybe we should do a little bit of a summarization before we jump into things. This is is my favorite segment. It's the one where Ryan tells us the story. Okay, here's the deal. So it goes. (laughs) Hugh Grant, Mr. Grant, British guy, lives in New York. He's got business. And are you sure you want me to do this? Uh, well, no, let's let's have Sarah explain it because I, I think she um, it's her Sarah movie. Knows it well, 90 yeah. minutes later, and that is the story of two weeks notice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So Sandy, we love Sandy. We do. Um, she is a very liberal lawyer who is trying to save historic buildings in New York, um, very much stands on her principles, hates the company that Hugh Grant runs. And through a hilarious course of events, ends up getting hired by him in order to save the community center. And then, well, I'm, how much do I get into the nuances of the plot? Oh, oh I'll take the baton together. from here. <laughs> um, and then she starts working for him and tries to, you know, get her goals accomplished while also working for the enemy. And maybe she does, but her job turns into the worst assistant to one of the most annoying men in the world 
jobs and she realizes that he has completely infiltrated her personal life and she says enough is enough and puts in her two, two weeks, weeks notice, notice. <laughs> please consider this my two weeks notice and that happens around like minute 30 right there yeah, yeah. and um then uh, is the movies about her you know the process of the two weeks notice of extricating herself out of his life um and then realizing that she has some funny feelings towards him and has to deal with that all right we're not explaining this to five-year-olds right now (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then okay when a boss and his lawyer love each other very much (laughs) and you know how bees like flowers um Mm -hmm. okay yeah leave that to the therapist yeah um so i think i want to know uh, i want to hear from my wife why 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 did you get obsessed with this movie i mean it's a great movie but this is a level the attention to detail of your love of this movie is admirable well you kind of just said it i mean number one it's hugh and sandy mm-hmm. and that should be explanation enough however it's also the attention to detail and that it's the script is just so tight and fun, and it's a great movie to happily fall asleep to at night. It's not trying to be too much, but it does a really good job at what it is. Which is kind of the thing we're looking for on on The Gentleman's Guide, is the best of both worlds of good movie, but also comfort food movie that is very, uh, sorry, comforting uh, mm-hmm. in our hard days and this clearly was it for you for Mm -hmm. and still is Mm -hmm. so Sarah do do you like let's say you have a really hard day at work you have a choice between this movie and um, maybe an episode of what's your what's your comfort tv show that also very much depends on the day I'm sorry it's just well, I'm a complicated lady. Is she will usually watch either a fun crime procedural like a monk or a show that's on the USA network. <laughs> like a like a bird notice or a well, um, that was on the USA network ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, or that Piper Paraboo show. Piper Piper Parabo. Pipes. <laughs> Did you call her Paraboo? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's the, I read a name. Last sound came out of my mouth. When, when we were doing Robin's episode, we had to call her Pipes just because we couldn't figure out how to pronounce her name. But there was some crime show that Pipes was on, and Sarah watched all of that show. too. It's a spy show. So anyway, okay, or so, or sci-fi like Star Trek or Stargate. Sure, thank you, thank you for all that information. I was just wondering what my husband knows me very well. What what turns you to watching this movie at the end of your day? rather than like a television show that is easily easily digestible and maybe a little bit shorter, but instead you turn to like a full-length movie that you've seen a bunch of times? Um, I think it would have to be a Friday or like a Saturday night. So, it, you know, long day at work, but you have a full evening and the next day don't have anything going on. So. It's one of those weird time management things um, I think all couples relate to where you settle in for the evening and it's a weekday and it's like, uh, you want to start a movie? No, we don't have time for a movie. And then you go proceed to watch nine episodes of a sitcom and you <laughs> watched twice the movies, mm-hmm. but you feel like it didn't, didn't yep. take that much mm-hmm. time at all. I don't know if all of you had, um, friends in college. I'm no, the, I did. the TV show. 
Um, the you were my friend, Kelly. I well, yes, yes. Thank you. I would often do that thing with the Friends DVDs because each of them would have like eight episodes on them, and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna put on a Friends before bed, and it just on a disc. It just plays afterwards, and that was like the first inkling of your Netflix like binging, yeah. where you're just like, oh, it's binging. just a. Well, just one more, maybe. It's another short one. And then you're and eight then episodes in, and over. it's 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> the DVDs trained us to binge. And yeah. then the disc starts over, and you're like, I could watch that again. I only watched it oh. three hours ago. Wait, okay, Sarah, um, what does the DVD menu for this sound like, for this movie? Um, Oh, it's. I think it's the music from when she's walking very quickly wow yeah okay <laughs> you've definitely seen this great or it's when he's asking her about licking the envelope okay you have definitely fallen asleep to this movie and woken <laughs> up at 3 a.m yes. and realized the dvd menu is still uh-huh. on and you were too lazy to get up and turn the dvd player off because you were at some kind of sleepover and heather's sleeping oh, on the absolutely. couch and yeah robin. you know what my well yeah sure. was ryan and then robin mine was wayne's world oh nice. every summer just throw on Wayne's World before bed, wake up, and that menu was so annoying because <laughs> it would show the trailer uh, during the DVD menu. What kind of dreams did you have during that? Terrible ones. Okay. And okay. Robin? I had a lot of them. I think I went through phases, but as you know, one of my biggest ones was Joe versus the Volcano. Mm. Oh, you just mm-hmm. throw that on? Yeah. Watch it nice. a million times. Love it. Oh, see, for my, my DVD menu um, is always a Knight's Tale. Uh, that's the one that I have probably woken up to the most. Um, I don't know why, but it's um, it's that ill communication song from Beastie Boys where it's like, ah! And I would, wow. always, I would always wake How do you up. sleep? No, I wouldn't. I, I, I would like. I, I Yeah, it, it was just that I fell asleep during the movie, and then the DVD menu would come on, and it would just be me waking <laughs> up going, ah! <laughs> Love nice. it. Okay, let's talk All about right. this movie. Yeah, so the first thing I want to uh, talk about was Sarah was like um, asking me throughout the movie. She's like, I'm not crazy. Like, it is that quotable, isn't it? And she like <laughs> couldn't, she couldn't really step out of it because mm-hmm. she knows it so well that she couldn't look at it with a objective, critical point of view. So Robin, you're new to this movie. Did yes. it feel like... The way I have always witnessed this movie is that it feels kind of like a screwball comedy, that it's just kind of quips, 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 the way you would have between a Cary Grant and a Katherine Hepburn type of people. You um, concur? Or I wouldn't say it's different... that quippy. I would mm-hmm. say it's it's well done, but I wouldn't put it on par with, with that kind of level of quippiness. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really remember many lines, having watched it only just once. Um, but... <laughs> Um, I don't know. For me, a lot of the acting was much more like about the physicality than the lines. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Kelly, what do you think? Well, I mean, I've seen this movie. It, this was one of my first rom-coms as well. And so I've seen it probably eight or nine, 10, 11, 12 times. Um, and so I, it was the same thing. I knew most of the lines that were coming up. I think this movie is, it, for me, it lives on a plane of, like you, you guys have been saying, it's very light and fluffy, and I think it, it has quippiness. Like, like most of the dialogue, especially Hugh Grant's, is just like quip, 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 quip. But it's not like a Spitfire um, kind of comedy where, like this, this movie takes a lot of breaths between its quips versus uh, something like, I don't know, a His Girl Friday, man. yeah, or a Thin Man. Like it's. It's it's the Honda Civic to the Thin Man's Ferrari. 
if that makes sense yeah <laughs> yeah and i i think you can't i feel like a movie like his girl friday um, where it's just constant chattering from mm-hmm. the characters and it's funny but it's also exhausting by the end of the movie you're just like shut up like you want them both to shut up and that's kind of like the resolution is like and then they shat they shut up whoa they shat they up. What? yes well they well, shut it up and i think that's where this movie for me was kind of my first introduction to to that world yeah, yeah, because I, you know, I grew up on like action movies and sci-fi movies. So, and plus, you've got mail. But I had never seen a Catherine Hepburn movie until probably late high school or college. Well, so you were primed because of the Hugh Grant kind of style. I knew I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that um, this movie's quippiness um, is a testament to how well the script dialogue was written like i would say the story itself and if you read the roger roger ebert review he kind of uh he really gets into the fact that this movie follows a formula and he he almost Mm -hmm. writes a treatise on rom-coms if anybody is like interested in how rom-coms work go read roger ebert's review of this film because he's just Mm -hmm. like this beat for beat is a romantic comedy you aren't going to you aren't going to find any surprises it's just all the details that have changed and but how it lives is on the charm of what everybody says. And so did he like it? It's what was his? What was his? Yeah, here's a three out of four. That's good. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a like really hypercritical point. I mean, I don't think Roger Ebert's hypercritical, but um, no, he's not Pauline Kael. That's for sure. But he's not. Like I, I mean, we. I want to skip ahead to like where do we put this in the pantheon of rom-coms of and we Sarah and I talked about this when we watched the other and it's like okay well where do we put it and it's like I don't know I kind of put it in the top of the middle class yeah it's definitely uh, middle class for me but in a good mm-hmm. way yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's uh, among the best of those middle class ways that it's not demanding on you but it's also not low comedy it's not it's not it's indulgent. not fart jokes no <laughs> there is a big poop joke scene well yeah I mean. <laughs> But that's so relatable. Um, <laughs> how was that? I, okay, so this scene. Okay, not where, that I have like related to it in that I have knocked on someone's RV in the middle of the freeway. But no, no. Yeah. But I've definitely, <laughs> I've definitely, we've definitely had conversations where Sarah wants me to shut up because not she's because she doesn't need a bathroom. But really going to put this no, on the podcast? No, maybe we'll cut it out. Maybe we'll cut it out. But you have I. Everyone in the world has had, has had stomach issues and just kind of like, please stop talking. <laughs> I want you to shut up. That was a very real moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think most of us also have been at least stuck in a lot of traffic and having to pee really bad and like mm-hmm. seen some sort of opportunity like an RV or like you've been looking around and you're like, if I park the car right here, I could probably run into the woods. And <laughs> yep. like, so it's relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. There was a lot of um, odd wish fulfillment in this movie, where um, I was like, "Oh, I've always wanted to like get out of my car on the freeway," or mm-hmm. "Wouldn't it be great to fly around New York on a in a helicopter, or like have a closet full of suits?" Like, I mean, Robin mm-hmm. and I talked about this a little bit, but it's a it's a movie about affluent, uh, like an affluent character, and that's really fun to watch in one respect because you're like enjoying their life. A bit, um, even though what, what was something her mom says? She's like, I think anybody making that much money is just ridiculous mm-hmm. or is should be illegal or something. And they're probably not a character that I would love hanging around with. But 
I don't know. This movie convinces me that I would. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I get um, screwball comedy vibes from this movie because um, this the screwball comedy era of the 1930s when you had MGM movies, the whole point was having uh, characters in really affluent settings. And that was part of the escapism is that people were living through the depression and even the middle class people were lower middle class where they didn't the thin man does. Yeah. Yeah. And it just was like, you can feel like a rich person for two hours. You can go to this nice movie theater and you can feel rich for a while, but we can't really do that anymore because we live in the post um, 1% era where, and like you really couldn't make two weeks notice today. Like, Someone like for George lots of just, reasons. Yeah, but yeah. George would just never be sympathetic. People would be like, "Nope, he's obscenely rich. We'll never give him the benefit of the doubt." Whereas in two thousand two, it's like, eh, "He's obscenely rich. Uh, I'm okay with it." That joke where he says, "You know, she's talking about how she grew up poor," and then he talks about how he had his one bedroom apartment on Park Avenue, and they were poor, <laughs> but they were happy. You know? Yeah. Right. I mean, it hangs a lot on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's a charming joke. It is. That's it a, is because it's, 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 it's self-aware. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. he gets it, mm-hmm. and I think that's all you need. It it was interesting though because uh, Kelly and I had to pause the movie, uh, about like I think we we're about thirty minutes in, right, Kelly? Mm-hmm. When we um paused it because we had to like get something out of the oven or whatever, and um, like at that point in the movie, I was like. Kelly, I don't know if I can like this guy. Like, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do to actually make me think that he deserves to be with Sandy. Yeah. Like, and, and you, well, you did make no a good point. No one deserves to be with Sandy. About yeah. how, like, as far as, like, people of color were concerned at that point in the movie, there was, like, you know. At that point in the movie, we had seen nothing but, like, servants. The who were, like, and I was like, oh, and God, drivers. this is so bad. And, yeah. and um. Uh, also similar to the 1930s. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, um, but Hugh Grant is like nice to one of the servants comparatively to like, and I, I feel like that's something that is very indicative of like that affluent, um, like you were talking about screwball comedy where that is a trope that has existed since the beginning of films where it's like, Mm -hmm. this person is much better than the rest of these rich people because they're nice to the servants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, the, the, the 1930s movies also had, um, plot line well a lot of them still were aware that it's like rich people during the depression were also seen as obscenely rich and you have movies like my man godfrey oh yeah where, um you have a character who's um living a destitute life and he's plucked out of it by someone rich for a game and they kind of um make fun of him and it's like the movie's like rich people can be cruel um and it gets into it and this movie gets into it in the same kind of like uh, same kind of heat mm-hmm. uh, because his George's brother is a dick and <laughs> he doesn't get it. Well, and that's that wish fulfillment of, you know, we've always wanted to flush the toilet while someone like that is in the shower. <laughs> yeah, especially a guy like that. <laughs> We're like, screw that guy. Did you notice how this movie um, really skirted around 9-11 where mm-hmm. it, it's, um, it's set in New York and it's 2000, well, it was made in 2001, but it came out in mm-hmm. 2002. And then um, there's that line, the economy isn't what it used to be. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, that's for one reason and one reason alone that yeah. we are not touching in this lighthearted comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think this is the first major film production that shot in New York after 9-11. I think. Mm-hmm. We'll have yeah. to look it up. Here, the- let's, 
let's pause and say uh, either I'm right or I'm wrong um, later. I'm right. And we're back. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah. Wow. Who knew? Fascinating Who knew? facts. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if a rom-com could acknowledge 9-11. Well, oh, you know what it does? We just watched The Big Sick. Yeah. 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 The Big well, it's Sick. It's been long enough now. Yeah. But. yeah. <laughs> it's not too soon. Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, speaking of The Big Sick, this movie kind of follows a very similar um, lifeline of the couple. Because if the if the couple in the big sick isn't the parents and Camille, it's him and his future wife, then they break up a third of the way through the movie in a same way that this movie has a breakup a third of the way through the movie with her two weeks notice. And then you kind of get to see that separation and then co- them come back together at the end in a way. But I want to go back to Robin's question of how do you make Hugh Grant deserve Sandy in this movie? And do you feel mm-hmm. like... He actually did at the end. I was surprised that I, I actually did by the end think that um, I, I liked him and that they deserved to be together. I'm and I so think worried. most of it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of it is Hugh Grant's performance and obviously he becomes lovable to us, but they wrote it subtly enough that you they show. And the whole point of the thing is like people can change and he does change. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's in a subtle and believable enough way that you're like, yeah, yeah, I buy it. He did change. Mm-hmm. Um but also, I think the other part of it, um, and Kelly and I were talking about this after we watched it, was that sometimes there's that thing where in movies and TV, they have characters like who hate each other's guts, like fall in love. And they're like, oh, I hate you so much. You just irritate me. And they're like, oh, that must mean I love you. Yeah, like in Frasier. How dare you? But in this one, it wasn't that. It was like they, they did get on each other's nerves and everything, but then what made them actually fall for each other in the end was their friendship. Like that salad scene is actually my favorite, oh, where they're sitting and they're eating the salad, yeah. and Good. he's eating yeah. the pizza for salad, and <laughs> she's taking the croutons or whatever. It's off so smart. Salad. And it was just, it just showed how much they kind of like worked well together as a team. Mm-hmm. And what? the movie does such a good job with that scene mm-hmm. that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't point to it. Nope. nope. It's just there. It's the subtext. It's not the text. Like, if we were watching an actual couple do this, like, at their home, it would be very boring, I think. Mm-hmm. Or, or it would at least it, it wouldn't stand out. But there's just something so intriguing about watching two people who aren't in a couple do a very couple-y thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's like watching a dog go through a drive through in the driver's seat. And you're just like, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think there's something, and I don't want to like tout something about myself but i do think (laughs) i'll let you all know if it's Uh, accurate i don't want to brag but i don't want to brag but i feel like this movie uh gave me a way into um being how do i say this sarah's bed (laughs) not at her bed (laughs) certainly not that um but i think it gave me an opportunity because i feel like the movie kind of sets up the <clears throat> playfulness of someone like George and like that's what is great about their relationship is that his quippiness is just him being like even though he's annoying there's something fun about his annoyingness in their relationship and that's just what you're gonna get with him yeah uh, and I'm not saying I'm annoying <laughs> but I feel like that was part of mine and Sarah's courtship is that we ragged on each other and I think Sarah 
was appreciative of that, not like put off by it. Well, Would that's you? okay. I so, want to. I want Sarah to concur. So to summarize concur. what you just said, <laughs> is that I'm kind of like I you was kind of that like I like bantering. Banter. Okay. Banter. Well, That's what I was looking uh, for. What Ryan just said is he's basically Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, these these characters do. Um, I think it takes a certain level of. Um, I, I always bring up this word, but vulnerability in order to banter with somebody. It shows a certain level of friendship and comfortability to say. I'm not going to take this super seriously. Mm -hmm. We can rib each other just a little bit, especially in an early romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you guys do that really well. And if I'm going to be Hugh Grant from any movie, I think the fairest one that I can compare myself to is Two Weeks Notice. That yeah, for you're me super say, rich. No, no. But he's <laughs> annoying. And it's like, I'll accept the annoyingness because Hugh Grant in Notting Hill is he's far more... Uh, I don't know, debonair in Notting Hill, far more debonair in Four Weddings and a Funeral. This one, he's just, he is annoying. That's like his prime <laughs> characteristic. Well, the part of this is also that we were friends for years before yeah. we got together. So that's also part of and where so that bantering came from. The romance in Two Weeks Notice is far more relatable for us than the romance in Four Weddings and a Funeral or Notting Hill. As a therapist, Sarah, would mm -hmm. you say that um, you watched Two Weeks Notice and that was your model for romance therefore you fell in love oh, with somebody you were goodness. friends with i hope not because <laughs> we were talking about this afterwards well, well we talked how... about this last episode this <clears throat> is yeah. this is something i'd love to know about you sarah um what i perceive to be a healthy relationship no no or comes? what <laughs> no what but... you're looking for in a man is me obviously <laughs> but where did that come from this is getting to be an interesting <laughs> well, a dangerous conversation you, have, you didn't you didn't listen to our episode yet uh, but I, 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 I bear my soul to the world of how Father the Bride kind of planted the seeds of what I was looking for in a woman, and I found mm -hmm. it in you. Okay. So I'm just, okay. did this movie plant seeds for you in a way of what kind of... Well, I always pictured myself ending up with someone with brown hair. and I don't have hair. <laughs> and it's not brown. Damn it. <laughs> well, but I think, yes, did. I definitely do find the... The bantering dynamic attractive, and that was something that I was definitely looking for. Because mm -hmm. you you had a lot of rom coms to be obs I don't want to say you obsessed with, but you yeah. went to this movie a lot, and I think. Well, I also like Tom Hanks, and you've got mail, and he also definitely bantery. banters. Yeah, also bantering bantering. Is attractive. Banterous. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's got nice banterisms. Um, <laughs> Ryan, I, I don't. Are you are you still going on this? Do you he still want really to hear? Me to, do you want to hear her say more? I just want to be about verified about how that you want to be validated. Validated. <laughs> I validate you. That Where's my validation stamp? There's probably some connection to the rom-coms you're interested in and the romantic life that we have, and our life looks more like a two weeks notice or a you've got mail than it does a Notting Hill or four weddings in the funeral. Kelly, I'm three different people, and I will jump into a volcano with you. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Can you just validate that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, that's Definitely. all I need. <laughs> Thank you. We can move on. Um, I'm, I'm going to save that soundbite and use it on later episodes. <laughs> can you just validate me? I'm sorry. I was distracted by going. Okay, I want to, like, we, we talked about how one of one of his great characteristics, as we just uh, pointed out, was bantering. But what, what are the other things, Robin, and the rest of you too, but mainly since it's your first time watching this, what... What gets you on board with Hugh Grant and more specifically their chemistry? 
Mm, well, like I, like I said, the salad scene, I think, mm -hmm. shows that they have an unspoken connection together. But then there's just subtle things that say that he actually cares about her. And he starts not putting himself first, but actually putting her first. And like, I mean, like the boat things scene. like the RV scene, like oh, that yeah. really does it. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of other little things, too, of course, leading up to the big I saved the community center gesture. Um just showing that he has stopped being so narcissistic and is ready for, you know, a commitment to our Sandy. <laughs> I really like their their look across the the clown party um, that Nora, Nora Jones. Jones. At. Mm -hmm. That look had some yeah. real heat to mm -hmm. it. It did. Like they were, dang. Well, they were standing Donald hundreds of feet there. away, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get between that fire. <laughs> so, Sarah, is this when you decided to get your piano book, Nora Jones music, or did you already have that? I can't remember. But because Come helped. Away With Me was really popular at the same time. Mm -hmm. Very much, yeah. So I'm not sure if it was... Either way, it yeah. certainly helped. Nora was there. I can't remember. Is this um, this movie... Is there a conversation between Sandy and Hugh where she's like, you have power and there needs to be... You need to have a more... You, you have a moral responsibility. But it is pretty amazing what dreams and lots of money can do, isn't it? And you know you're part of that charge. Yes, I am. All you have to do is use your power for good instead of evil. If only I would. And I think that's a pretty important scene of like, okay, you can be obscenely rich so long as it's for good and not for, for evil. Um, and I think that's an important aspect to liking his character and seeing him take that seriously. And mm -hmm. I like mm -hmm. that his defensive or his his um, his defense mechanisms are mm -hmm. always being like a little self-effacing and sarcastic mm -hmm. um, because in that he's like, oh, I wish I could, but I can't. And mm -hmm. you like this movie sets you up to know how good he is at heart and mm -hmm. you know he's going to make the right decision at the end. Um, I mean, it would take a, a pretty dark turn if he was like, yeah, we're going to destroy the community center. Yeah. Sorry. And then Sandra Bullock's like, I'm going to move on with my life. And the movie mm -hmm. ended there. This movie, <laughs> as most movies in this genre, capitalize on the ending. Um, like, it's not mm -hmm. the most epic romance ending. But like Robin said, I believe her chasing him down at the end. Mm -hmm. All the building blocks yeah. were there throughout this movie. And I think it took, it took him being a little annoying but charming at the same time and then changing as a character in order for us to believe that Sandra Bullock would fall in love with this guy. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, I do you do you can do you agree? Do I you concur. think? Do you concur? Dor. Harris. Yes. Do you concur? Uh, concur with what, sir? Is this movie one of the more chaste rom-coms out there? Setting aside, setting aside the the chess late night meeting in your the split. late night chess meeting. Mm. <laughs> setting her character aside. <laughs> Um, I the principal, <laughs> <laughs> the principal romance of this film is chaste. It's it's platonic for most of the film. Yeah, um, I mean, I think most rom coms go that way, don't they? Where like basically the most you get is a kiss at the end. Same mm -hmm. with you've got mail. Same with any Jane Austen type story. Well, that was very common in that era, and then it was kind of like they all decided to get a little bit less chaste. Well, you had the R-rated movies. You had the R-rated Hugh Grants where they would get laid at, 
at least halfway through the movie, Four Weddings and the Funeral and Notting Hill. Yeah. Notting Hill is getting... an R, though, right? Yeah, it is. It is? Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah, it is. Okay. Um, but, like, the... But, but it's still soft, soft yes, sex. Yes, it's very nice. Yes, it... <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, sex was nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's interesting, because a movie like Notting Hill, the... Please forgive this. I really don't mean to pun with this, but the climax of their relationship is mm-hmm. them um, consummating. No. Consummating. No. <laughs> um, and then... I'm also disagreeing with you. <laughs> come on. When in Notting Hill, when they... They sleep together, but that's not the climax of the movie. But there's something so... Um, there's so something the climax Hollywood... Is the... oh, okay. I know, I know, I know. But okay. about their relationship... Uh, there's something like and bonded and now it's real whereas before it was kind of like uh they're kind of together but now that they've done the deed now it's real now it's a relationship whereas a movie like two weeks notice where you've got mail doesn't need that scene we've already bought that they're bonded early into it and you don't need a consummation scene to like buy it well i think that's because both of those movies they start off as friends and they continue as friends wherein um, Notting Hill, they start off as attracted to each other. Although, what do we think of the bond of Sandy and Hugh in this? Because I feel like it's a very unhealthy bond, and the midpoint of the movie, or I guess the third point of the movie is her quitting and saying, like, this isn't healthy. So at what point does their relationship become healthy? And is that when they get together, or is it earlier on i, I think, think that's a question for you therapist when does the relationship become healthy <laughs> i think we Never. yeah oh well that's that's kind of the, <laughs> that's the brilliance of the plot is that's where the character development comes in of him learning boundaries but also respect because i think they get along really well and there's i i always read it as there is a like freudian reason why she let him get to that point in her life where he's just infiltrated her privacy and he Um, makes that point at one point in time yeah but i think he also needs to learn the lesson of respect and boundaries you're right though that she also needed to learn boundaries right Mm -hmm. because she was letting herself get totally run over yeah Yeah. is it too ornate or is it beltacular that that scene the the one place where this movie didn't um, it didn't quite come through for me was her being at the wedding and leaving the wedding to go to him. Um, that like why wouldn't she just call? It's a him? little not believable. Yeah, it's it's a little not believable. Like and, yeah. and the fact that I, I think one of the weakest relationships in this movie where where Notting Hill is one of the ones that gets this really right for me. Um, two weeks notice kind of fails on the 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 ensemble cast mm. where like the cast is fine. The cast is great, but the characters themselves and their relationship to our main characters aren't deep in any way. Mm-hmm. And they aren't, there isn't even an implied deepness. Like at the beginning, I think it's going to be great when her friend and um, the guy who ends up proposing to her and becoming her husband um, come and lay on their yoga mats and like help mm-hmm. her protest. And that's a great scene, but her friend disappears they don't even have a conversation about the fact that she left her wedding in the middle of her wedding please continue everyone looks so beautiful just keep going okay bye you guys then like later on she's just like i'm gonna comfort you for a bit but we and and that's fine because we don't have to get into that but i feel like a movie 
that wanted to build her character a little bit more or point out like I feel like her friend should have been the one to point out how distracted mm-hmm. she was I, I feel like that would have been a good way to keep that relationship going or otherwise why have it and then mm-hmm. we finally land on Ansel mm-hmm. why <laughs> <laughs> The first time I watched this movie, I didn't even realize she had a boyfriend. Hmm. I did not catch it. Maybe I wasn't paying attention because I obviously was watching it with Sarah and I was distracted. He's there the to fulfill time. a trope, right? Like, well, But he's not even but there. He's, he's also there to be an example of how she doesn't become intimate with people. Like, Hugh eventually makes the point about how all of her boyfriends bolt as fast as their Birkenstocks can take them. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, that's... Ansel is just another example of that. And it shows her complacency that she doesn't, she should stand up for herself more with what's going on with Ansel. Cause you know, you can tell right, right from the start, this is not a good uh, situation for the relationship, but she just gives into it. That's, that's true. I like everything that you guys said is true, but it's, it still doesn't tell me much that like, she's like just going along with him being gone or something. Cause I didn't get to see him, at all what they were like together, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wouldn't have minded actually knowing how they were like, I guess. I don't know. It just... It, it, it was... might just be a basic plot device of like, it why, why didn't Hugh Grant ever hit on her in the first place? And it's like, oh, oh, there there is a boyfriend. Boyfriend, yeah, what I, boyfriend? Oh, uh, he's in Alaska. I think it's nothing more than that, uh, which is fine. And it, maybe maybe it's even like making fun of the trope of the bad boyfriend. But I couldn't even call him a bad boyfriend, just a bad for her boyfriend, because she doesn't like boats, but he's always on boats. And it's like, ah, that's fine. (laughs) But I think um, going back to kind of the idea of their relationship being healthy or not, she has this line where she says that she feels like she's just not getting through to people when she's talking to her parents after they bail her out of jail. And I feel like that really sets up why they become so sort of enmeshed with each other to the point where she would leave the wedding is because he just he always has to know what she thinks and she's had so many people that have not been listening to her for so long so it's like oh my gosh I have all this power that I've always wanted but now it's like waking me up at three in the morning to talk to this random drunk girl it's like a relationship with none of the benefits of love friendship or sex (laughs) yeah (laughs) just someone who always listens but yeah yeah she yeah. likes being sense. needed mm-hmm. yeah yeah which makes sense and he likes having somebody close to him because he knows that he like he is he is a character who i mean kind of just like her skips from relationship to relationship to relationship i mean he's kind of paying her to mm-hmm. be his friend in a way because mm-hmm. it seems like he doesn't have any actual friends yeah <laughs> <laughs> he has a cool black guy yeah, that's yeah whose character. name I th- I think he did have a name. The character did have a name, but I do not remember it. I it's a really interesting thing during this era of rom-coms where the genre was like, okay, we know, we know, you're super white. We've got our Tom Hanks's, our Hugh Grant's, our Sandra Bullock's, our Julia Roberts. We're super white, but we'll make up for it because Tom Hanks is going to have cool black friend and Hugh Grant is going to have cool black friend. And mm-hmm. their characters, like, and, are always sidelined. Yeah, which which is a yeah. big issue with a lot of these movies of that era, that mm-hmm. there really aren't any people of color in any sort of leading roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think 
at least you've got mail is a notch higher in that department for me because at least um tom hanks's cool black friend was at least somebody who was like running the company mm -hmm. and like this hugh grant's cool black friend is like you're my security guard and driver like, yeah. oh my with his mom. and you're yeah you're my, my driver poor. slash recruiter you security have to guard. live with your mom even though i'm a billionaire Just like, yeah mm -hmm. What? Yeah. yeah, that the part, Christmas I was like, oh, <laughs> you're not being paid enough, sir. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> well, that I think that's where this movie is like, we're doing this for comedy, but it doesn't make sense to me because I'm like, there's no way he would be paid so little that he has to live with his mom. But rent mm -hmm. prices in New York, am I right? And I come play chess with your, at your nice house. But yeah. Right. Uh, Ryan and I generally give a movie an award of some kind. Uh, for instance, Notting Hill mm. has Best Ensemble Cast. I think this movie for okay. me gets the award of best cool space. It, we have a character who's living in a hotel and we only see just a little bit of that hotel and mm. like it's kind of it's kind of used to like highlight how how attached he is to his his company and how he doesn't actually have a life and he doesn't have any friends outside of this. But man, I'd love to live up in that hotel. Like that top floor hotel with a chess set and a nice bar in it. It's not. It's not like I'm generally a mm -hmm. hobbit hole kind of guy, but I was watching him up there and I was like, "This <laughs> elevator opens directly to your space. I'm down with this." Okay. You know what's cool about that hotel too is that it's not a big hotel. It's not like a like a hundred floors of rooms. It's a very boutique hotel, and I think that's just classy on Hugh Grant's part. Is that he could live in a much bigger space. Yeah. Um, but he's like, no, I'll pick the little one. That's where my cool apartment will be. Theo's making one. his grand entrance. Oh, no, sad baby. Oh, sad oh. baby. He'll be waiting for his father to get warmed up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is something that <laughs> Robin said. <laughs> Remember? Okay. They're, they go at one point in the movie to um, the, like the new, the new legal age. No, the new attorney. Is she attorney? Legal counsel? The the, the, the red-headed lady? Yeah, I just... June? Yeah. June. June. June shows up, and they all go play tennis for this benefit. And Robin says, why do rich people always play tennis? No, um, I said, why do rich people always play sports with rackets? Sports with rackets, yes. It's, mm. um, it's like racquetball or tennis or squa is squash with a racket? Squash? I mean, no, yeah, I mean, Frazier and Niles play squash all the time. So, yeah, yeah, it's a paddle. Um, <laughs> they like the racket sports. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but I would too. Is a golf club just kind of like an extended racket? Oh, no, that's the mm -hmm. difference. I think mm -hmm. okay. if you're playing golf, you're just not in very good shape. And mm -hmm. if you're playing, mm -hmm. you're like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a rich person that wants to keep their thighs in check. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah no, I, I think Sarah's right. A golf club is just an extended racket with no net. Okay, that's totally fair. <laughs> oh, sorry, I did not. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys think the tennis scene is funny? No. Not really, no. I think it could have been taken out if you wanted to cut any scene. I don't know why, but a lot of rom-coms, let's, Kelly, let's keep an eye out for this. Um, but I think a lot of go-to is like hijinks among sports. And I always think they always fall flat. Because someone always gets hit in the face with some kind of projectile. Or in Princess Diaries in the balls. That one is... I like that Actually, one, those scenes actually are funny. And that's, I feel like it's more acceptable in a high school comedy. Yeah, yeah. they're more mm -hmm. klutzy then. Yeah, because um, adults don't mm -hmm. play sports. 
Well, yeah. So let's keep an eye out for it, but it's just kind of like uh, it. It felt the most cliche scene. Well, and I was I was rewatching this, trying to like ask the question of does it actually hold up now that I am double the age I was when I first watched this, um, and I felt like the sort of jealousy between her and June just felt a little bit juvenile and I feel like it it kind of aired more into being uncomfortable than just being funny for me now as an adult Mm -hmm. I thought Uh, June was was good at acting both um, like slightly innocent yet ambitious Um, Mm -hmm. but it, it did seem a little contrived that they were pitting them against each other at the end Mm-hmm. Sarah, what's your favorite quotable line from the movie? Oh, where do you start? Yeah. Or what What do you find yourself actually quoting in real life? Keep up. Uh, yeah, that's one. Um, the other one is... What do you think? George, I think you're the most selfish human being on the planet. Well, that's just silly. Have you met everyone on the planet? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think my, my favorite one is definitely... Um, I can walk across this apartment in six oh, seconds. That's such a... <laughs> Such a good scene. That's how I feel about our <laughs> apartment. This, yeah. My thought in that moment was, I think Hugh Grant's best work is in doorways. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. He does a lot mm-hmm. of good doorway yeah. acting in many movies. He dances in the doorway in mm-hmm. Love Actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's. I think it's time for that time-honored segment of <laughs> who would you fall in love with? I mean, Sandy, of course. Not yeah. you? I think it's, I think it's Sandy. Uh, let's hear reasons. Come on. Maybe it's just that, like, I relate to Sandy more as a character, and I'm like, yeah, I get you. You're cool. Um, and she has, you know, strong opinions and strong... I, she's basically, like, Hermione with more pratfalls, and so <laughs> I relate. <laughs> and, um, and she's real pretty. Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Sarah? Hmm. Well, I was trying to distinguish between who would you date and who would you marry, <clears throat> but... Oh. Now it's who we, who would you fall in love with is the question. Probably be Hugh then. Hugh? Mm. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I just have fun talking to him all the time. I feel like he's the one who kind of instigates things, and Sandy's more kind of bouncing off of him in a way. See, that vindicates my theory from before. You are validated. That this movie made her want to find a guy who just Sandy gets on her nerves. You are validated. <laughs> I think you're accomplishing this right now. And that's me. Um, Ryan, what about you? Uh, Who would you fall in love with? Um, definitely June. No, not June. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We're going to have a talk later. Not June. Well, there's there's nothing necessarily wrong with June. She's just, I mean, she's just very... She's very conniving. She's a little Draco Malfoy-ish mm-hmm. to me. I think Sarah is more similar to George and the... Good ways. Uh, okay, that's fair. Because I feel like, I feel like, we both play the George role where we're both just quipping at each other, and because I feel like, I feel like in this movie, Sandra is kind of the straight man in the humor department. Yes, where she very much so. sets it up, and he just knocks him out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Sarah and I just kind of knock, knock no. him out right like after in, each other. In, in the odd coupleness of this, um, she's Jack Lemon and uh, he's Walter Matthau. Yeah. Um, yes. 
So, so Hugh Grant. I'm going to go with Hugh Grant on this. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Hugh Grant as well. That's a trifecta. Sorry, Robin. You're the odd one out. I'm the only Sandy fan. I We love Sandy, but Ryan, I was waiting to see what Ryan would say because in a previous episode, he was like, I would definitely not fall in love with the Sandra Bullock from two weeks notice because she's too mm. intense for him. He just couldn't mm. like afford to go to all the, all the rallies that she would obviously want to take him to. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would, that would get exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. But I'm, I'm a Hugh as well. I like being treated nice and uh, he is, he is annoying. Yes. But also very kind and he's kind of that character that you would never necessarily have to feel ashamed about being yourself in front of because even if he made fun of you he's he's still like yeah you can poop in the car it's fine (laughs) (laughs) and and like it takes it takes a lot of courage to say that to somebody well now here's the question why do we all love sandy so much when she seems to kind of play these harsh characters she gets typecast as that because you've got i mean in while you were sleeping she's a little bit she's less harsh just kind of more sad but then you've mm-hmm. got two weeks notice miss congeniality the proposal the proposal um what is that the police one with melissa mccarthy the heat. yeah i think I she's about to say hot buzz I think, thing. <laughs> I think she is someone who we always expect to be quote-unquote sweet and the best way to set up that character for, like, like we, the audience, most want her to smile and fall in love. We want good things for Sandra Bullock because mm-hmm. she has such a warm and inviting presence. And so if you set her up as a character who's, like, a fighting a fight or antagonistic to a position they've been put in, like in Miss Congeniality, mm-hmm. or um, is very sad, uh, like in um, While You Were Sleeping, and a stalker. We want to see her <laughs> accepted and loved really stressed out in for who speed. she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so so that's I, that's why I think she always gets cast in these parts because we all want to like love Sandy, and so mm-hmm. people when they know how to cast her, it's because we all want for her life to get better so badly for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I, I would agree, but I would also say she's really good at playing characters who are trying to hold it all together yeah and Mm -hmm. like on the outside have this veneer of like yes i've got my life together but on the inside really are falling apart and so that's really relatable yeah Mm -hmm. me too Mm -hmm. yeah i don't remember what happened in lake house i think she was sad i think she killed keanu reeves through time oh oh, the lake house yeah yeah there were letters am i the only one who's seen the lake house i haven't seen seen it what happened i don't remember wait Robin, they this ha- might not make the magic- podcast, but what happens? Um, okay, I watched this one time because it was like one of the only DVDs in the Airbnb that I was staying at. Oh, yep. That's, um, that's yep, that's the perfect place to scenario. watch that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a, there's a magic time machine mailbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait, so is it a machine or is it magic? It's, it's just a magic mailbox okay. where they can send letters back and forth to each other through time and they fall in love through time. But that's and just all that happened, right? Basically. The sounds as good as Kate and Leopold. And they were sad because they couldn't be together. I don't remember whether they get together or not. Yeah, and I, I just don't remember, remember anything ended. about their characters other than, you know, I remember both very moody. Sa- Sandy, at the very beginning, I think, gets hit by a bus and dies. But I think he saves her through time. I don't remember how it happens. So it's the secret sequel to Speed? His hand reaches <laughs> uh, through the mailbox yes. and grabs her before she walks into the street. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a secret sequel to Speed. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, before we wrap up, I have another question relating back to my chasteness theory of these movies. And I have a theory why you watched it so much, Sarah, is that there's something more... I don't want to make this sound... Um, I don't know how this sounds, but there's something safer about the romance in this movie compared to A Notting Hill, which is more mm-hmm. sexualized, and especially in Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is far more sexualized. Um, safe, safe in what way? Um, you mean as a young person, where you're yeah. just not quite sure how to feel about it? Well, yeah, especially when you're a teenager, and um, there's part of you where there is a lot of pressure for sex, but there's another part of you that is not ready for that part yet. Well, it's kind of like a way to age out of Disney movies in a way. Yeah, mm. you, the romance of Princess Diaries isn't very mm. sophisticated. I mean, you, you go from like actual Disney princess movies to those sort of teeny rom-coms like Princess Diaries. And then you age up into something like You've Got Mail where you're watching these very adult dynamics, but it's safe. Or something like two weeks notice. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I just think there's something more universally appealing about that. That it, it, you hit a wider gamut of audience, definitely, um, just from that demographic storytelling. For sure. And speaking of which, we um, let's all watch the trailer. Oh, yeah. Because that is something that we need to kind of like watch and analyze. And so I sent everybody the trailer via the email. So go ahead and go ahead and watch that and then we'll talk about it just a little. I am so sorry. My aunt is dying and it's uh, again. Meet Lucy Kelson. She has a law degree from Harvard and an eccentric billionaire boss. What did you all think of the trailer though? It's pretty pretty much the movie right i really like it that's kind of i think it sells what this movie is about and i think it's uh i think it nails it Mm -hmm. i think the only thing it doesn't have is sandy before she took the job for him yeah like showing her kind of being a little bit more hippie progressive whatever Mm -hmm. because it makes it look like she is a high-powered lawyer to start yeah it cuts out like because they were like it's about two weeks between two people which it is eventually but there's a whole 20 minutes of the movie that they're missing there i did go into the movie um and i'm sure i saw this trailer way back in the day and i've of course seen the poster for it but I went into the movie thinking that it was only going to be two weeks, like literally that mm-hmm. she was only going to work for him for two weeks. And then I was like, oh, she works for him for a long time. Yeah. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was an economic use of editing, right? Just going from like two months, yeah. six months later, another five months. Mm-hmm. I-, I thought that was pretty clever. When this movie first came out um, and it was being marketed, um, I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade, but I didn't know what a two weeks notice was. And I was like, what a mysterious thing. <laughs> The Rotten Tomatoes for this movie is not good. What's our percentage? Um, the percentage is, yep, 42%. Uh, Blast audience score 59. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say this is anything like high cinema. It's it's a rom-com, but, and it's a fun rom-com. But that but... means more critics disliked the movie than liked it. I, I bet at this point in time, I think there was, we were just getting to the point where people were having, um, like, Right now we have superhero um, fatigue. Fatigue, thank you. We have superhero fatigue in a small way, and so if something's not like breaking the genre or doing something new, 
were kind of just like, don't do the same thing over and over again. And I think this movie was probably a little less appreciated in its time because there was a lot of rom-com fatigue going on in 2002. And mm -hmm. even though it kind of was exactly what the public needed at the time because like we were just coming out of 9-11 I, I bet it's something that everybody was like oh we don't need another movie like this right now which um, might make a case for Roger Ebert's review that might have been why he wrote that to say like this isn't anything new but the way they do it is really fun yeah I agree well I mean if you're going in for a rom-com you know you're not going to go in for an inventive plot you know that you know what you're going for is what kind of quips am I going to get? Am I going to get uh, a 500 Days of Summer? Yeah, um, that's the exception. You don't know it. I, that's I just, the exception. I, yeah. And also 500 Days of Summer is not a rom-com. It is a commentary on rom-coms. That doesn't mean it's not a rom-com yeah, necessarily. We'll, we'll get there. You're getting ahead of me. <laughs> uh, um, hold on. I, I, wanna, I just want to read the description of this movie on Rotten Tomatoes from the Critics and Census. Though two weeks' notice has nothing new to add to the crowded genre, Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock make the movie a pleasant, if predictable, sit. So that's how people were feeling then. I would say the same thing about the proposal. Yeah, I agree. Plus Betty White. Yeah, yeah. she's great. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait till we get to the proposal. Just I want to have a bad week just so that I can watch the proposal and be like, that was pleasant. Okay, well... Um, now we have to figure out what we're watching next week. Um, Robin, you want to do us the favor maybe this week since I know that you have some dice near you? Oh, do, do you guys have dice in your thingy? Because uh, Sarah hasn't rolled them yet. I have D&D &D dice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, Sarah, you grab the dice. Last time I asked Ryan, he didn't have them, so I just thought maybe you guys didn't. They've always been in this room. Well, I wasn't always in this room. Yes, you were. Oh, right, I was. <laughs> you can't lie. Sarah's here. <laughs> My wife is here. Um, hold on, let me get to the list. All right, ready? Ready? Yep. Okay. It's six and six. What does that mean? Oh, that would mean 66 then. Whoa! Ang uh, oh, no, no. Pride and Prejudice. What? Yeah, okay. Wait, is, that complicates things. That really does complicate things because we were going to um, do Pride and Prejudice the book. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to double up. Re All right, re-roll. Okay. What? Re what? A re-roll. Seven and a one. Seventy-one. Or seventeen. Uh, strictly ballroom. Wait a minute. Hey, everybody. So, <laughs> we've had multiple complications this week, and. Though we did pick Strictly Ballroom with our dice roll, we're actually going to have to switch it up because it's not really available many places for people to watch. And with people not being able to go out of their houses very often, we were thinking maybe it'd be better for everybody to be able to access what we're talking about. So this week, I'm really excited because we get to do The Big Sick, which is available just about everywhere, but especially on Amazon Prime. The Academy actually just did a watch through with Camille Nanjiani and uh, Emily B. Gordon, who both wrote the film and uh, one of whom stars in it. And so check that out if you're interested. It's, if you've already seen the movie, it might be a cool watch. But yeah, we'll get back to the podcast and probably back to Strictly Ballroom someday. Who knows? This is a weird time. So maybe. All right. Back to the show. OK, let's wrap this up. Um, Kelly, where can people find us? People can find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter at uh, Gents for either one of those. 
Um, you can email us if you want to email us and tell us like what you thought about what we thought about the movie. If you just want to shout out and say what cool people if we you agree, are. Disagree, if you agree, want to start disagree. an argument, start a fight. Nope, nope. We are we are not about internet fighting. Oh, right, so, right, not yes. fight. But we will read if you had like an extra point. Maybe there's something we missed and you wanted to be like, ah, that that was my favorite part of the movie. Then um, write into us and, and we'll get you on the air. Um, you, we do want to make an announcement really quick. I think sometime around May 18th or so, we're going to be doing an episode on Pride and Prejudice, the book. It's going to be our first book club. Mm-hmm. And so if anybody wants to join us, make sure you read the book before then. And um, we'll be doing a little bit of a kind of a critique and how it maybe how it set up the genre a little bit of the romantic comedy, but from a literary point, because there were no TVs back then. Mm-hmm. It'll be the first book in a long line of books. Um, I think uh, we're going to want to, we're going to eventually pretty much do the whole Jane Austen gamut. We're going to yeah. do all of, we're going to do her books. We're going to do her movies. We're going to do her miniseries. I love all the movies she made. Like she was, she's a, a filmmaker. great filmmaker. Yeah. She's a good novelist. Great filmmaker. Great filmmaker. Very um, underappreciated. In her time. But don't worry, guys. We'll get to the Keira Knightley movie, but we'll also get the Colin Firth miniseries. So, like, no. <laughs> the amount of hate there's mail no we're favorites get, here. <laughs> if we pick one or the other of those as, as being better. Yeah. And you know what? I also want to say, please write in suggestions of are there books or movies yes. that you want us to do? Please let us know because there are other books that I want to jump into, but I. I don't know if it's worth it because I know that, you know, the Bridget Jones diary books are supposed to be very good. And um, there's other popular novels that have been adapted or just novels that haven't been made, made into movies yet. What? Let us know. I've got um, a couple recommendations. Somebody uh, messaged me and recommended uh, About Time, which I think we already have on the list and mm-hmm. how Stella got her groove back. Oh, right. Um, and so those two have been added to the list. Um, hopefully, hopefully there's going to be more. All right. All right. Um, so for Ryan, this is Kelly. Um, I love all three of you. I love you guys. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Bye. Love. Bye. <clears throat> and this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. And subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on a gentleman's guide. To rom coms. You want to just record with me on this one? Huh? You want to just record with no. me on this one? Okay. I want this to I set it all up. Okay. Okay. Get out of my way, Sarah. <laughs> Kelly is now rearranging our living room so that the router points more directly towards the kitchen where he is. Like he he brought the router right. out, set it on a thing, moved to the office chair so that there's a direct line of Wi-Fi in between him and the router. Uh, stupid internet. <laughs> <laughs>